Hello, this is Kevin McMullen, Senior Pastor of Independence Christian Center. Thanks for joining us as we break the bread of life today. Our prayer is that your faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is strengthened by this word. God bless you. Healing is ours. Everybody say amen. Um, you know, if the day comes when access to medical science is greatly limited, um, we have the ultimate healer in Jesus. I have been healed supernaturally, and I have been operated upon. And I can tell you that without fear of successful contradiction, that supernatural healing is much, much, much better. I've had supernatural healing and never had to put ice on anything Jesus did. Or heat. Or take a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory. Or any of, that, any of that stuff. Because our Lord is, he is the great physician. Everyone say amen. Tonight we're going to take up the story of the woman with the issue of blood. We've already spoken concerning uh, Jairus' daughter. <clears throat> you may recall that when they came and asked Jesus to come to Jairus, who was a synagogue leader, to his house, as he started on his way, uh, this particular incident occurred while he was in transit, when he was uh, going to Jairus' house. So I'm going to read the three uh, synoptic, as we are have been doing, and we'll see what the Gospels say about this. And Jesus got, this is Matthew chapter 9, verses 19 through 22. Jesus got up and began to follow him, meaning Jairus. And so did his disciples. And a woman who had been suffering from a hemorrhage, so she was bleeding, for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. For she was saying to herself, if I only touch his garment, I will get well. But Jesus, turning and seeing her, said, Daughter, take courage. Your faith has made you well. At once the woman was made well. Then we go to Mark chapter 5, verses 24 through 34, which are much more descriptive of what happened. He gives us a lot more detail. And he, meaning Jesus, went off with him, meaning Jairus, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians. I'll wait, you're worth it. And had spent all that she had, was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. And after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, literally was saying, if I touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? 
And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has literally saved you. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. And then we'll go to Luke chapter 8 and verse 42. See the last part of verse 42 through verse 48. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone. Notice Luke, the physician, doesn't go into a lengthy description of the failures. Uh, and could not be healed by anyone, came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak. And immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, who is the one who touched me? And while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone did touch me, for I was aware that power had gone out of me. And when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Praise God. Now, let's take a look at this situation here. There was a substantial crowd with Jesus when Jairus's, Jairus came to him. And, uh, you know, they were there to meet him, you know, when he left and when he came back. But they were following along the way. And because... They had seen the things that had happened in Decapolis. And after the meetings at Capernaum and the environs around, you know, there were people were really anxious to, to, to touch Jesus. There is a difference between the touch of faith and the touch of curiosity. Amen. And in Luke 8 and 41, uh, which we didn't read here, he responds to the request for help. The ruler of the synagogue whose daughter was dying and starts that way. Now. All three of them tell it of the, she had been suffering from a hemorrhage for 12 years. One of the things I want you to understand is it is sometimes more difficult to, under, to overcome something that is chronic than it is something that is acute. You know, it's because the enemy will say, you know, you've been suffering with this for over a decade. And if you were going to get healed or anything good was going to happen, look at all the doctors you went to. You went to the best doctors at this hospital, the best doctors over here. You hit St. Luke's, you hit HCA, you hit, you know, Adventist, you hit, you hit everybody and nobody's, you know, be able to help you. And this is a female problem. She's, she's bleeding. And 12 years, think about that. Think how anemic you would be suffering for this for, for 12 years and how she would be fatigued and her immune system would have taken a beating. And so she probably was suffering from from had in that uh, over a decade, 1.2 decades. She had suffered she probably experienced infections and diseases that ordinarily would be a, wouldn't be a problem for a person. But because of her uh, anemic state and her uh, suppressed immune system was a problem. And, you know, and by that, and by 12 years, I think you're desperate. Everybody say amen. All right. And this was a condition 
which was very much in Leviticus 15. He, uh, God goes into it and Moses does in verses 19 through 30 that it was that she was considered unclean. A bloody discharge would make her unclean. She, legally, according to the law, she should not be in that crowd. Because anyone who touched her would be unclean. They would have to bathe and be unclean until evening. All right. And, you know, she would any contact with her would, by virtue of just what I just said, would be defiling. No synagogue or temple access would be permitted. She could not go up to the temple to worship. All right. She was even to be separated if she was married from her husband and her condition was desperate, that's true, but the law was quite clear. She sought the physicians. Now let's just talk for a minute about medicine, human medicine here. Um, this problem was of sufficient gravity. You know, you think, you know, when something like that starts, you think, well, it'll, it'll just last a little while and then I'll be over it. But then weeks come, months come, years come, and she's not over it. And the best manuscript of all the manuscripts, only Mark says that she had spent all that she had. Matthew is silent. Luke just says, you know, um, you know, the, where it says in Luke in the King James Version it says she spent all of her living. But that's not in the oldest manuscripts. But Mark does say she spent all that she had and they could do nothing for her. Now, how many, how many of you have been interested in hearing some of the remedies of the day for this? Drinking a cup of wine containing powder of ground rubber, alum, and herb of Isis. Boy, I'll bet that tasted horrible. Or a dose of Persian onions cooked in wine, administered with the command, Arise out of your flow of blood. A sudden shock. It's almost like it's the hiccups. A sudden shock. So for months, I could see her husband hiding around the corner, and when she came walking by, he'd go, Boo! Like that, and scare the daylights out of her, and it probably made matters worse. Carrying an ostrich egg ashes in a particular type of cloth with you everywhere you go. Now, I remember when I was a kid, back when TV was clean, and both the dramas and the comedies had a moral. We were just talking, Randy and I were talking about that not that long ago that, you know, you watch the Andy Griffith show and yeah, it was funny, but there was always a moral, you know, and a good one. And um, I remember watching in living black and white, a TV show called Rawhide. Rolling, rolling, rolling. You remember, you know, Eric Fleming played Gil Favor and Wishbone. You know, Cheb Willie, I think it was, played, I can't remember his character's name, but Clint Eastwood, I mean, babyface Clint Eastwood, played Rowdy Yates, the ramrod. Well, apparently, our drover heroes 
got into a place where there was, and I, I, I don't know what kind of a disease it was, but they started running across people who were wearing a bag around their neck. And I'm watching all this go on, and I, you know, I keep seeing this thing. So I asked my mom, I said, what is that? Now, I couldn't have been more than seven or eight years old, but I remember this very, very clearly. She said, it's an asafetidy bag. I said, a what? She said, it's an asafetidy bag. They used to put that asafetidy bag around their neck, thinking that it would somehow uh, ward off the ward off the disease. And some of the same stuff they used back in ancient times was in it. And I said, wow, uh, what were they like? She said, an asafetidy bag stinks. Really, really stinks. No wonder she grew worse. Think about it. Persian onions cooked in wine, you know, healing diets and smelly stuff is nothing new. You know, you can put a spin on it and you can publish it, you know, like this. I remember a few years ago, the new physician's cancer cure diet, you know, and, or this and that. I mean, I, uh, I subscribe to a, a news service that is always sending me the latest uh, food is medicine update, you know. And sometimes I read this stuff and I can't help but just get tickled because, you know, they say, do this to stop this and do that to stop this and everything. And then they're telling you to eat this. And then another article comes out and says, oh, for whatever you do, don't eat that. Because that, that'll make you sick. So eat this over here. And, and so it's pretty soon, you know, you're sitting down. And, you know, I mean, you can't even eat grapefruit. <sighs> you know, and it's so my point is that stuff like this, you know, what you, you, you can call it Chinese, you know, traditional medicine or whatever has been around for millennia, not centuries, millennia. Now, my point here is this. That in her case, it was not necessarily a lack of faith to go to a doctor. I heard, um, in fact, it was just a few days ago, I heard Andrew Womack say that he's not against doctors because if it weren't for doctors, most Christians would be dead. I do know this. I don't think if, if it hadn't been for doctors that I would be dead. And I don't think that my children will be dead, but we might be either very deaf or hard, or very deaf. How do you get very deaf? I mean, what's, you're either deaf or you're not. I would be either deaf or very hard of hearing. You know, think about all the childhood ear infections and everything and perforated eardrums and, 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 and things of that matter. You know, you know, and so, you know, but some people are afraid to go to the doctor. And after the last three years, I understand it. But some people are afraid to go to the doctor. Let me tell you something. Not going to the doctor because you are afraid to go to the doctor is not faith. You can call it that if you wish, but it is not. It's fear. I've known people who wouldn't go to the doctor because they were afraid of what the doctor might say. Well, now that's superstition. In other words, if you don't go and he doesn't say it, then if you ignore it, it will go away. Not necessarily. Uh, that said, we are not to depend just on what the medic tells us. I mean, you know, that's right. All right. In fact, 
You know, one of the things that I've I've heard people quote, but they're 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 taking it out of context is in Second Chronicles 16 and 12. I'll be reading this from the English Standard Version. It says in the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek Yahweh, but sought help from physicians. Well, there's nothing wrong with, with seeking help from physicians. But Asa didn't bother to seek the Lord. He blew that off. And that's not, you know, it's, you know, and if you know anything about modern medicine and if you know anything about those things, believe me, when you walk into that doctor's office, you need to take your faith with you. God can bless and God does tell people to go to the doctor. How many of you believe that? Uh, no, I am. Not, you know, I'm not one of these people that believes. Well, if you can't get healed, you know that that you know if you don't, if you're believing God for divine healing, then you'd better not see a, doc, a doctor. Well, you know what? I've been in a situation where I was not in position to receive God's best. I have been, you know. Um, well, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about, where the Lord spoke to me years and years ago. We. Uh, in this church, we had uh, some people who had a, a gymnasium and they had a tanning salon in that. And they just let us uh, fry in their machines, uh, you know, at, 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 at no charge. And, you know, I was actually getting out of one of those and or turning over or something. And my feet rubbed up against each other and the the toenail, my big toenail on my right foot gouged the skin of the outside of my left foot. Well, if you know anything about anatomy, you know that the toenail has some pretty nasty stuff living under it, or can. And so it didn't really bleed, it hurt, it didn't really bleed, it just wept a little bit, you know, and everything. And so I just went, ah, whatever. And I didn't do anything about it, I just pulled my, you know, socks on and, and went on my way. Well, after a couple of days, it began to sting. And I could, I, you know, I could tell something down there wasn't right. So I began to speak to it. I did what I knew to do, to believe God for healing and to speak to it. I was doing what I knew to do. It didn't seem to be getting any better. And, you know, here, here it is inside this shoe where it's always hot and moist. You know, it's just not a good situation. And... One morning, I awoke, and just as I awoke, I heard a voice, sounded audible to me, say, you better get that to a doctor today. <laughs> okay. Now, what is faith in that situation? Going to the doctor. Well, we didn't have health insurance. We were pastoring up here. It was early on in our ministry and we didn't have health insurance. So I went to there used to be a, a um, urgent care clinic. That was when those things were really just getting started over here on Noland Road, just south of 23rd Street. And I went in and they processed me in. The lady doctor came in 
and said, well, what have you got going on? And I described it to her and she took a look at it. And she went, oh, my. And I said, how does it look? She said, if you'd have waited one more day, I would have put you in the hospital. I said, really? She said, look at this. And I could see the uh, red, a couple of little red streaks that were starting up. My, and even my light and fast mind knew what that was. And so she cleaned it out. Boy, did that hurt. And then gave me these mule gagger pills. You know what a mule gagger pill is? You know, and that cost about, you know, $900 each. I don't remember what it was, but it was a lot of money. Let me give you another illustration that I've heard, you know, this, this man tell multiple times. This was no less a healing minister than Kenneth E. Hagen. And he was traveling. And this is back in the day. Now, I'm old enough to remember when long distance was cheaper. First of all, when you paid for long distance. I mean, remember, we used to have to pay for long distance. All right. And I can remember the day when you'd have to get a hold of the long distance operator and have it connected. Oh, you're old. I never did have, speaking of the Andy Griffith show, I never had to go, Sarah. <laughs> so I don't remember, you know, I do remember party lines. Well, when, you know, uh, if you remember correctly, during the long distance rates dropped at about five o'clock in the afternoon. And then they would be low until the next morning. And when the business hours came in, they, they would go back up. Saturday and Sunday, they were, they, that's when they were at their lowest, right? And Brother Hagen tells a story about him being out preaching at some distance and from, from his house. And he was decided he was going to take a nap. Or maybe it was first thing in the morning. I don't remember the exact details. But the Lord spoke to him very much the way he spoke to me and said, call your wife, tell her to get in to see such and such a doctor. And he went, okay, I'll do that. Well, he thought, you know, what's the reason to do it now, you know, like this. Well, I guess when he started to drift back off to sleep again or whatever it was, the Lord spoke to him again. Call your wife. Tell her to go see such and such a doctor. Have her call and, have, and, and go see him. He goes, okay, Lord, I'll do that. And he's thinking, I'm going to wait until after 5 o'clock when the rates drop. You ever heard of being a penny wise and pound foolish? Well, it's like, I can get this item over here at the Walmart in Blue Springs for 15 cents less. Never mind, I'll spend $4 in gas going over there and back. Right? And so, just as he's got, like, he said, the Lord spoke to him again and said, call her, tell her to go make, make an appointment with this doctor right now, life and death. And he went, okay. Jumped up and paid the full rate. She would call that doctor's office and they said, we've had a cancellation. You can get right in. She got in to see him and he said, if you had not come to, and I don't know what the ailment was, but he said, if you had not come to see me today, it seems like it was a Friday. If I had waited until Monday, you probably wouldn't have made it. Now later, she was completely healed of that, that malady. But not right then. So when... The Holy Spirit says, call the doctor. What is faith? Calling the doctor, being obedient. But go in there with your faith on. Amen. Amen.
All right. And sometimes it is self-inflicted. You know, when I was a kid, I used to, I developed a a condition which they say that 15 to 20 percent of males in this country get called cholinergic urticaria. When you get hot, you start breaking out in hives. And, uh, you know, I, I, in the army, they, you know, I told them about it in the army. It started happening to me when I was in high school, and sometimes it became very uncomfortable. And when I was in the army, you know, I was running and all this stuff, and I finally just went on sick call, and there was a, uh, a dermatologist in there that knew exactly what it was. And had another doctor come in and show him the case and everything, and they prescribed some pills for me, Atarax, as I recall. And when, you know, they gave me, the, and I was to take four of these pills a day. Later on, I found out that I could take one over two days. And one would make me just a little bit dopey. Four, I would fall asleep standing in formation. I mean, it's like, but it worked. Well, years later, I'm out, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting out on Interstate 20 in my police car there in Arlington with a flat tire. It's 107 degrees. And I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the city record to show up. And I've been waiting over an hour and I'm just sitting out there. And so I thought, you know what, I'm not too proud to get out and change this tire myself. And so I got out of the car, opened the trunk, looked to see if there was a spare in my Chrysler Newport. Sure enough, there was. I got that puppy out of there, jacked that thing up. And was in the process of putting the tire on it. Now this is about 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. 107 degrees. And trust me. If bullets don't go through a vest. Neither does air. And I am sweating to beat the band. And I'm starting to itch. I haven't had this happen in a long time. And I don't have any. And I go. Oh what am I going to do? And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, if you'll eat less sugar, you won't have this problem. Well, that sure beats Persian onions simmered in wine. <laughs> and so I started cutting back on my sugar intake. And sure enough, I haven't had a problem with it from that day to this. Although in all candor, they say most guys outgrow it. The fact is that sometimes, I, I remember when we first got to Texas, I was just tired all the time. And I was feeling, you know, kind of have a headache and everything. And I'm not a doctor. I don't know what's going on with me. I also do know this. We don't have any health insurance. And so if I go to the doctor, it's going to cost me money I don't have. And I'm praying about it. And I'm, Lord, what do I do? I, I, I'm sick and I don't know what's wrong with me like that. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, take some salt. Well, we had left northern Germany and moved to Texas. It doesn't take a rocket science. Yeah, in retrospect, it doesn't take a rocket science. But the Holy Spirit did say that. He said, take some salt. I took too much. I've learned since, you know, we, we, had, it happen in, in, we had it happen in Russia. We were staying in an apartment that uh, was Tanya's apartment. And it was three degrees below zero outside. And in our apartment, I think it was about 94. 
They wouldn't open the windows and everything, and, the, and the, there was no way to regulate the steam coming in from the Merman steam plant. I mean, and I'm lying there trying to sleep, and I am a puddle of sweat. And I start feeling, you know, a little, you know, a little nauseous, a little lightheaded and everything. I'm starting to get cramps and all this. And we're sitting at a restaurant with our, with Lita, who is sitting there with us. We hadn't adopted her yet. We were in that process and she still, she speaks no English. And Kathy and I are talking about it. I said, I can't, I don't know why I'm sick. And she said, maybe you're just, you're, you're, you're dehydrated because the apartment's so hot. She thought of it. And I said, wow, you know, I'll bet that's right. So I reached over, grabbed the salt shaker. I think we were at Mamma Mia. I grabbed the salt shaker, took the, uh, took the top off of it, put a bunch of salt in, a, in my little glass of water, stirred it up real like this one, and started drinking. And Lita goes, Papa! She thought I was trying to kill myself. And within 15 minutes, I felt fine. God will shape, will, will, you know, will share those things. We always hope it's something really simple and easy like that, don't we? But if the Lord says, go to the doctor, it's okay to go to the doctor. But as I said, take your faith in there. Now, let's go back to the woman with the issue of blood. You know, it says in Mark 5 and 27, after hearing about Jesus. Well, what did she hear about Jesus? She heard that Jesus heals. And she's heard about his healing ministry and that and she had something inside. She, you know, she, I, I don't know if she prayed about it or what, but something inside of her said. You can be healed. And she had the faith to seek him out. Eusebius, uh, one of the church historians, said that she had come all the way from Caesarea Philippi, which was some way uh, some some distance off. And her faith overcame her fear of being in that crowd. She was both in Mark or Matthew 9 and 20 and Mark 5 and 28. She was saying in herself. And the word is saying because they, the Greeks have a different word for thought. And where it says she thought in herself. No, she was saying in herself to herself. They have a different word for thinking just like we do. But that's the way it was, it was rendered in the New American Standard. And she had the confidence and the expectation. She said, if I but just touch the hem of his garment, I will be saved. That's what the text literally says. She expected a restoration that was beyond healing. And she touched the friend of his garment. He, you know, he probably had that the blue corded tassel of his talent, you know, which was a traditional uh, thing sh uh, slung over his shoulder. And for her, because of the touch of faith, you know, I remember here, hearing some guys talk about, no, what they weren't talking about, the preacher was. How many of you remember R.W. Shambach? You know, and there were three guys at a non-Pentecostal Bible school who used to go out to one of their cars during their lunch break and listen to him preach. You know, and they thought he was black. As a lot of guys, a lot of people did, you know, which he wasn't. He was a white guy. And he, he, you know, they're sitting there and one of them needed healing or something like that. And he tells the story that he was saying, 
If you need a miracle from God, reach out and put your hand as a point of contact on your radio. I miss that guy. You know, and he said they looked at each other like, right. But the guy who needed healing touched it and he said, man, it came all over me. And that's how he found out about it, because he sent him a letter to give him the testimony of how this little Baptist guy had been healed by reaching out with a point of contact and touching the radio. There is no spiritual or therapeutic value in a car radio. It was that obedience to the word. It was that obedience to he and faith. They had been listening to him for a while. And he was always preaching about healing. You know, I, I, when he talked about how he started having problems in his chest one time. And he said, you know, I wonder what this is. And he said, a little voice said, heart trouble. And he said, then the devil's right there to say, you know what killed your brother? Heart trouble. And he starts to talk about how the devil will paint that fearful picture for you. Well, that's, you know, but these guys had been listening to him over a period of time. They, this wasn't the very first time they'd ever heard him. They'd been, I wouldn't say sneaking out, but I'm sure Brother Shambach's ministry would probably be less than on the approved list at their school. And listening to him and over a period of time, faith began to grow. Just like the man who was lame had been born that way, sitting there, I think it was Lystra, where Paul looks at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. And he said, stand up right on your feet. And the guy just jumps up. And they're like, whoa. And so when Brother Shambach said, reach out there and touch the radio as a point of contact, he was like, what have I got to lose? Yeah, you know, God might do something. And he did. You know, that might change your life. When this woman touched his tassel, it was like grabbing a live wire. Power flowed into her and her healing was complete and immediate. And she even knew it. She felt in her body. Now, that doesn't, you, you don't always feel it. But thank God when you do. I've heard several of the healing evangelists from the 50s, you know, the late 40s into the 50s say they would much rather pray for a Baptist or a Methodist or an Episcopalian or a Presbyterian than they would pray for a Pentecostal. Because the Pentecostal is waiting for some sort of a hot flash or a cold flash or a bolt out of heaven. Whereas the Episcopalians and the Baptists, they never feel anything. So they don't expect to get zapped. They just believe and go sit down. Healed. And, you know, it was immediate. Mark 5 and 29. Then this curious thing happens. I'm so glad that this happened. And I'm so glad that God saw fit to record it for us. That Jesus says, who touched me? Now, the crowd had no idea what had happened. He knew something had happened. And she did. But they were the only ones. But... See, she's got a conundrum here because he's turned around and said, who touched me? And she shouldn't be in this crowd. And whatever, she should never have touched a rabbi. Without his knowledge or permission. And for these reasons, that's why it says she with fear and trembling, because she knew she was sideways with, with, with the law. 
And in Mark 5.33, it says the woman eventually comes forward and admits. And he says, your faith has saved you. That's what the literal Greek says. Now, we'll say, has, you, you, has he, you, you know, by faith you've been healed, You're, it has made you well. But then he says something interesting. He says, go in peace. In other words, I'm not condemning you. Don't worry about it. But I, I think there's another meaning there. I think he's telling her, hang on to what you've got. Don't let any legalist rob you of your healing. When you go to tell someone this story, particularly a Pharisee or someone like that, they're going to say, well, that couldn't have been God because you had no business being in that crowd. That couldn't have been God because you had no business touching a rabbi. And in fact, you do realize that one of the charges for which Jesus was crucified was sorcery. They said his miracles were demonic uh, fabrications and that they weren't really from God. And so they would tell her, well, you weren't healed by God. You were healed by, by, by a demon spirit. And try to, what would, they, what would that do? You think that would help your faith? No. There's always going to be someone around to try to talk you out of it. Be whole. Go in peace. Shalom. Be whole. Be clean. Be healed of your affliction. Man, that's, isn't that awesome? You get anything out of this? I am. I'm preaching me happy. And I'm not itching. <laughs> you know, the laws concerning... Uh, cleanliness, etc., particularly in, in this case, whether it was for the leper or whether it was for the woman, uh, you know, woman with a, with a discharge. You know, it wasn't about their affliction. It was about keeping it confined to that person. It was, it was more of a quarantine, so it would not spread. The law was about keeping something from spread, spreading through the community. But God's mercy is not exclusionary. Neither is he punitive for the people who are seeking him. Jesus' response was to assure her of her standing with God. Don't let the enemy steal your faith. Don't let, when you think about what happened, don't think about the stuff that you may or may not have done wrong. Don't get into condemnation. You rejoice in what God has done for you. Don't let some legalist, some Pharisee or Sadducee talk you out of your healing. You know, and, you know, it was the anointing that did it. What does it say in Acts 10, 37 and 38? You yourselves know this was, you know, Peter speaking to Cornelius and his household. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. It wasn't Jesus who healed her. It was the Holy Spirit upon him and, and uh, that, that flowed into her. 
He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. The anointing was resident upon him 24-7, and it saturated his clothing. Yes, I don't understand how that works, but I do know that it happens. Because we see over in Acts chapter 19 that it says handkerchiefs and aprons, when Paul was in Ephesus, handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from Paul off of Paul's body and taken and laid upon those who were sick and infirm. And if it was just a sickness, it would affect the healing in their body. And if it was a demonic spirit, it would drive it out of them. And we've had prayer cloths and we've seen wonderful things happen with prayer cloths. I don't know what it is about cloth, but somehow the anointing can linger. We see that over in 2 Kings chapter 13. Remember they had a dead guy and they were you know, they were uh, taking him out to bury him and a, a band of marauding Moabites or something like, I don't remember the, their nationality, came upon them. And so they just threw the guy into the tomb because they were going to run and his body landed on the body of Elisha. And the anointing came out of that body. That's not superstition. It's a true story. And... The anointing came out and raised that guy from the dead. And the only, you know, he came running. I ran out of that grave. And if you want to see somebody run really fast, it wasn't him. It was the guys who had thrown him in there who turned around and saw a dead man chasing him. And went, ah! Smith Wigglesworth used to tell the story about a. He was preaching a revival somewhere. This was in England. And he was hot racking with a guy. And for those of you who don't know what that means, it means one person sleeps in it at night, another person sleeps in the bed in the day. And this woman's husband was a coal miner. And he, he was a total sinner. But she had asked if she could put Brother Wigglesworth up for the church that she attended during that meeting. And so her husband worked nights. He would, go to the, he would go to the coal mine at night. And so, you know, she would change the sheets, brother, you know, in, in, the, morning, uh, in, the, uh, in the morning, and her husband would sleep during the day. Then he would get up and go to work, and she would change the sheets so that after church, after the service, Brother Wigglesworth would come and sleep in the bed, and then repeat and repeat. And she kept saying, Brother Wigglesworth, would you pray for my husband? Brother Wigglesworth, would you pray for my husband? Would you talk to my husband? Like that. And he just, he never really gave her much of an answer. And finally, after two, three weeks, whatever, the, the meeting ran, she finally just, you know, he got up and he was leaving and he said, thank you for your your hospitality and everything you've done. You've been a real blessing to me and I greatly appreciate it. And as he was walking down, the story is that he was walking down the, 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 you know, the sidewalk away from the house. And she said, Brother Wigglesworth, what about my husband? And he said, don't change the sheets. And, she, what? and so her husband comes in from his night shift, sits down and has a bite to eat. Trudges up the stairs to uh, the bedroom. And a few minutes later, she hears. Ah! And she went up there and he was he had gotten into bed and screamed and rolled out and was on his face, giving his heart to Jesus and repenting for everything he had ever done. And a few things he hadn't. That anointing. I don't know why. 
But it, you know what? We'll take advantage of it. When they, tra if anybody ever transcribes this message, I can't wait to, or, or when we go back to watch it on YouTube and it has the, you know, like that, I can't wait to see how it describes that. Scream, you know. Jesus did not release that anointing and he did not direct it. In fact, it was a surprise to him. Jesus was not a spook. He didn't walk around as it operating as the second person of the Godhead. He walked around. He was the second person of the Godhead, but he walked about this earth as a human being, as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Anointed men and women do not control that anointing. We are to be controlled by it. It is God's power, not ours. Finally, if our musicians would come, there were a lot of people touching Jesus. It says so. The crowd was pressing in on him. And when Jesus insisted, he said, no, some, who touched me? And What? Who touched me? Somebody touched me. And Peter looks at him like, Lord, the crowd's pressing in on you. It would probably be easier to find out who didn't touch you because everybody's touching. But people were touched, most everyone else apparently was touching him out of curiosity to see if something might happen. But it was her faith that made contact. And made it, it closed the circuit, if you wanna, if you wanna, if you wanna put it that way. She had an expectation of salvation. She had acted on it by coming all this way, and she had been saying to, within, to herself, within herself, if I just, I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be saved. Now, a, a greater anointing, Requires less faith. But if the gifts of the Spirit, if it's not gifts of healings or special faith or working of miracles, you don't have to have those as long as we believe God, He still will do it. Everybody say amen. And He loves to do that. He loves to do it. And even if the manifestations of the Spirit, you know, like I, I just rattled them off, are not there or not in manifestation, faith will still get the miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we hope this message has been a great blessing to you and has helped build your faith in Jesus. We encourage you to visit our app, Independence Christian Center, on your cell phone available from the Apple App Store or Android, Google Play. You can also find us on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon, YouTube, and Facebook, again, under Independence Christian Center, or at our website, iccfamily, all one word, dot O-R-G, iccfamily.org. Our heart's desire here is to labor with the Lord in building His body. Until next time, may God's very best be yours.